Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight's topic is we're going to be talk. We're going to do a plot drift where um, Jack O'Neill um, leads the expedition um, to Pegasus. Um, so we're going to get started. I have a couple of maintenance things. I have to remind you that you have three days left for rough trade posting. I will be closing it on August fifth. Um, Fluff Bingo is still going on. Uh, we opened up Quantum Bang signups on the first of August, and they close October. 31st right or October 1st I have forgotten 31st it's the 31st of October October 31st so you got plenty of time to figure out your um, idea and sign up and that's for authors artist signups close on 228 of next year so you got plenty of time to figure this out I want to remind everybody on Discord that we do have an audio channel for you guys to use if you want to hammer out some ideas together. And if you would like those sessions to be recorded for future reference or whatever, um, just ask me and me or Jilly about it and we can set up your recording for you and, and give you the download after the fact so that you can have your conversation on file for whatever, whatever you might need. And Chad can record up to six hours of audio most of the time. Unless... There's a server issue and things get disconnected and we have to do it all over again. Um, I use Audacity to edit the sound, but if you wanted a recording of your thing, you could just let me know and we'll set chat up for you. or And then we can um, transfer it into an MP3 and, and give it to you. Or we can give you the whole file and you can do it yourself. It's not really complicated. I mean, it sounds really complicated to get a multi-channel file, but once you open it up into Audacity, it, it's really neat and organized, and you don't have to do anything but export it into an MP3 if you want to. Okay? So, um, <clears throat> remember to ask questions in the Ask Me, the Ask, ask a Question library uh, um, place and ask a question thing instead of in the chat room so we don't lose track of them. Um, we did actually talk for almost eight hours last night. We were like 10 minutes short of eight hours, but there's only three hours of recorded podcasts because the rest of it was just craziness. Uh, it was just craziness. Um, anyways, so Lady Holder is joining me for this uh, podcast this evening. So welcome Lady Holder to the channel. Um, Hello. Let's get started. Jack O'Neill takes the Pegasus, the, the Atlantis expedition to Pegasus. Um, okay. Off, off the top, what? Let me get my right notebook out. I've got I've got notebooks for individual projects. So this is my feeding frenzy notebook, which I don't want to write in for anything else right now, until I finish my feeding frenzy thing. So let me get my. This yeah, is I my, have a notebook too, and I actually. This is my junk because I did pencils. Why are you doing pencils? Because I have some, and I might as well use them. Oh well, okay. Never float your boat. Um, Sometimes. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> well, what's your first thought? Why does Jack O'Neill go? Um, honestly, I think Jack O'Neill would go because somebody in the U.S. government would have an aneurysm at the thought of a um, soft civilian um diplomat actually leading the expedition and it's either he goes or Hammond goes and Hammond's not going to leave earth 
he's got family. He's 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 done. He's he's not leaving the planet because mm -mm. he's put in his time for for doing the out and about. Now, see, Edie, that was my first thought too. That Daniel that would insist on going, and Jack was like, "Well, okay, let's go." But here's the That's, thing about Jack going: um, there's no way that Elizabeth Weir goes. Not a hope in hell. Or if she does, she goes in a very different role that is extraordinarily limited. Oh, if she's just an ambassador, but I think mm -hmm. she would pitch such a fit about not being in charge that she wouldn't go at all. Well, I think she, I think she might get in the initial um, layout of you know who's doing what where. I can see her being listed and her reading through it in the planning mission and going what. And then pitching the fit. I like Dark's point too. Which is? Dark, uh, Jack gets a choice between Washington or a dangerous mission to another galaxy without contact for a year. He starts pecking immediately. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> he calls Daniel, so we're going to Atlantis. Yes! <laughs> I'm already packed. I was waiting for this phone call. <laughs> But I think also you could do a personal angle on it where mm -hmm. um, that he's made a choice between Sam and Daniel mm -hmm. and the, and it's created some really um, so a lot of tension. And mm -hmm. when the Atlantis opportunity comes up, he thinks to himself, well, let's just give everybody a little bit of space, you know, so we can come to terms with, with what, what has fallen out, you know, what the outcome is for this. Oh, and what? You think he leaves Daniel behind? No, I think he takes Daniel with him because he picked him. Yeah. Okay. You I know, don't know that Sumner... You see, the thing is, is if you put a general on the mission, do you really need a colonel? Yes. Or do you really need a colonel and a major? <laughs> you Well, actually, here's the thing. You can have a, a, a general and a major because you need an exo. Right. And at that point, you know... If I was going to do this and Sumner was, Sumner probably would have been my pick for the SGC. He doesn't have the rank. He doesn't have the rank as he was. Well, Caldwell has, is, is, is higher in rank than he is, but so neither that, one of them have official? enough rank. I, I think so. Hmm. Cause Caldwell got a ship command. Um, but the thing is, yeah, but is that's because that, that's, well, there's two Jack O'Neill had the option to put Caldwell in charge before, and he he got Landry from outside. Mm, and the IOA had put Weir in charge of the SGC. She might weasel her way back into that position if she can't have Atlantis. Well, she can be in an interim while they're looking for a qualified uh, military member. Oh, now, see, if it, if it was me, I would put mm -hmm. one of my OCs in there, probably um, Rampart. I like that idea. Actually, my my oh dear thing was um, if Weir is the interim. <laughs> no, no, Randolph Rampart is my OC. No, he's um, he's he's not canon. Sorry. 
you've you've fallen from my trap. No, I'm, <laughs> serious, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A lot of times people confuse my OCs with um mm -hmm. because I you know not to toot my own horn, but I do a pretty good job of slipping them into the circumstances of canon so they don't stick out like a sore thumb. Well, I was just thinking if where's the interim while the president is looking for a qualified military member. Um, if we go with a more than slightly OC, um, Admiral uh, Patrick Shepard. Oh, 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 he'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be so mad. They'd be like, so we're going to put you in charge of the SGC. He gets there. He gets there, right? And he's like looking through all the mission reports and he gets to the Atlantis data and he sees that they've sent his oldest son uh -huh. on what is essentially a one-way mission to Pegasus fucking galaxy. And he calls up oh. everybody, including the president, and cusses them out. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep. Before he can help himself. Yep. That red phone will definitely be red because of the, the sheer amount of blistering he'll be doing. They had to send out an apology so he doesn't get fired. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wouldn't cuss out the president. That that's a I'm pretty much. sure he'd cuss out the president. Like, what the fuck? You know, honestly, it'd be really cool if him and Hayes were like buddies. Yeah. Because if I remember right, Hayes actually was, I, well, Fannin, I think, has Hayes being um, a Navy vet. Which would work out great. Him and mm -hmm. him and the Prez are like, they, they were in Annapolis together. Um, in fact, that could be the why he's chosen for SGC because he's like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to put, I'm, I'm going to put Patrick Shepard down here and, um. See what shakes loose, and then just hope he doesn't kill me when he finds out about John. Mm -hmm. Of which Hayes is his godfather, which could explain his um, his softer ride out of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. That would do it. So, so if John goes out. Under like under O'Neill as the XO, then Sumner wouldn't. No, Sumner Sumner wouldn't, but he might get stuck. Um, say, well, uh, let's see. So, from what I remember of that season, it was Atlantis left, and somewhere in the middle of all of that mess. Mitchell gets SG-1. Mm -hmm. It was what he asked for. He was the hero of that battle. Right. And, and he asked to be on SG-1. Not knowing that SG-1 was basically in pieces. And he had to put the band back together. Which will yeah, never not be funny. Mm -mm, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Edie's got the thing. Do you remember the time we had talked about John questioning everything? <laughs> Doing that to Jack. <laughs> the closest thing I, I mean, I tried, I literally did try with my, my last QB. It's hard. Well, see, here's the thing about Jack O'Neill. He has a lot of experience with being mm -hmm. off world. Um, he was off and, world for a very long time in a hundred days. Yes. So he knows the, con you know, he knows the consequences of being cut off from earth. Mm -hmm. He knows, um, he knows a lot about, uh, about survival. Um, he's black ops trained. I don't think that 
John would have to ask those questions of Jack O'Neill? Well, yes and no. Um, it might just be a, you know, uh, Jack put together his, his list. He, he um, submitted it and he expects it to be filled. And John comes back in with, the, with this clipboard and he's flipping through it going, sir, are you sure this is the list you gave them? And hands it over and watches the you know thermonuclear you know explosion happen over Jack's head as he walks out the freaking door, you know. But the thing is, is if this expedition has always been Jack's, then mm -hmm. Elizabeth Weir wouldn't be able to put any of her crazy into it. So no. there's that as well. But, but it's not just her crazy; it's the IOA's crazy. True, true. I mean, and those but people I don't the think that. But would the list actually come down? And surpass Jack? Um, what I can see is, is Jack has a budget. Here's your money. Okay. And he gets together with the officers that he has for the various divisions. They've submitted their supply requests to him. Um, he, in turn, winnows through, through it, uh, makes sure that, that if there's any duplicates, we get the correct amounts, and so on and so forth. It's submitted... Hopefully he's within budget. If he's not within budget, hopefully he's got enough, a good enough reason to blow the budget to, to you know, to cover. And then it's it's got to go in front of a bean counter, and the bean counter is the one who actually sits there and signs off on everything. And, you know, it's, it's going to be probably some bean counter who's going to look at it and go, why do you need 16 tons of C4? You don't need 16 tons of C4. Click, click, click. Yeah, exactly. You don't need a drone. You, you can get by on 1.6 uh, you know, tons of C4. You, this must be a math error. You put the decimal point in the wrong spot. <laughs> no, motherfucker, it was in the right spot. Yeah. Coffee condoms oh. and nuclear weapons. That could be the title. Oh, God. That's a great title. <laughs> it's a great title. Thank you, Ronan. And you know what? Jack is the guy who would sit there and order from Amazon the, you know, half dozen 55-gallon barrels of lube. You know, because he's he's aware. <laughs> I would imagine, actually, that um, at that level, he would have a better source than Amazon. Well, it's the only place I know of to get it. Otherwise, you just go straight to the source. Right, you go to the manufacturer and say, mm -hmm. I need this. But really, wouldn't they also bring supplies to make their own? I mean... Lube? I mean, how is lube made? It's water-based. Yeah, no. Works. And there's some that are oil-based, but you wouldn't want to put that... You put, you, but you really wouldn't want to put oil-based lubes on the list because... You know, there's there's the tradition. God, as I described it, there's the traditional gun oil, the stuff you use in actual guns. There's the stuff that's labeled gun oil that's for the other stuff. Sex. And, yes. And, and there's also medical lubrication. There will be yes. there will be a requirement for medical lubrication mm -hmm. in the infirmary yeah. as well. <laughs> Margaret has a point. Um, He's been in combat with the gun all sex lube is actually very good. I, I'm not disagreeing on that, you know, and I'm pretty sure that it's just absolutely fabulous. The thing is, is um, I don't think 
I think Jack would be the type of guy who would get the chemical formulas for a lot of things, okay, and keep them on hand and some of the, the supplies for it. But you can honestly use olive oil or other oils as a, a potential lube if needs be. Yes, I know con they, they suck with condoms and they're bad for them. But for just personal wanking, whatever. Well, you actually can slick your dick with a variety of things if you're not going to stick it in a hole. Mm-hmm. If it's just masturbation, um... Be nice to your dick and use a nice, good, you know, creamy um, hand lotion so that way it gets conditioned at the same time. But we also need to notice, we also need to keep track of the fact that anal sex has been going on for a very long time, far, far longer than synthetic um, lubrication has existed. So, yes, um, olive oil was probably used very often for yes. anal sex. Um, olive oil, fish oil. Yeah, absolutely. Anything to get slick enough. Mm-hmm. Right, I would agree. They only got 38 minutes, but they're not going to, I mean, so. But here's the thing. It's, he's going to be well aware that um, anywhere there's actually people, all right, there's going to be oil. Right. right. I mean, but then there's also you need to keep in mind the fact that they actually don't know what kind of life they're going to encounter in Pegasus. I kind of always thought it was a little arrogant to assume they were going to meet humanoids. Yeah, for all we know that the, the you know. Um... And also I thought it was a little weird that never really encountered anything like a xenomorph. I mean, not the actual xenomorph, you know, because that's copyrighted. But I'm just saying, why didn't they ever meet any creepy-ass bug aliens? <laughs> because the, the um, production company were cheap-ass bastards and didn't want to pay for the, 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 uh, yeah, the CGI. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, other than the race. But I don't think, you know what I mean, not the erratus. I mean, like a full-blown... Mm. Space-faring alien Bye. menace that was not the Wraith. Why were the Wraith the only ones, really? In Pegasus. Um, I think in Pegasus because the Wraith ate them. Dude. Dude. You're you're that's actually probably accurate. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but you know, it, it's it's a case of you know we. I wonder if the wraith could feed on an Asgard. That's disturbing. I'm just asking. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, that's her. How do you pronounce the one with light at the end? Hearse, hearse light. Hearse light. Okay, hearse light. Yuck. There's actually a really cute story behind that because her ass couldn't spell hearse, the actual hearse, when she was younger. Oh, she, she. So, okay. <laughs> um, we had a whole discussion about shit we could not um, pronounce or spell. When <laughs> 
You know, here's the thing about that line in Lord of the Ring, mates back on the menu. Um, that implies There's that, a... the or that the orcs had restaurants. I don't want to know what was for dinner. <laughs> I'm just saying, how the fuck does he know what a menu is? That's a good question. There were restaurants in Mordor? Is that why you can't just walk in? Do you need a reservation? Apparently. <laughs> mm. uh. Oh, God. Ed, get in the corner. Oh. And you too, Hearst. Just go over there by yourself. You, 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 neither one of you are picked for company right now. Oh. Yeah, but it wasn't like okay. So yeah, they attacked human settlements and ends would have had menus. But does that mean they were sitting down at the table at the end expecting to be served? That would be an interesting scene. Looting. He literally. He lit. No, no, no. There are restaurants in Mordor. That's why you just can't walk in. No walk in. Ellie. Oh God. <laughs> Hi, Liz. Yes. yes, yes. Welcome to the chat room, Liz. I know menus didn't start as a function of restaurants. Stop ruining my fun. Speaking of restaurants, um, thanks to the fluff bingo, I have Chief Cooper planning a cafe. Awesome. And you got your first bingo, right? Yes, I did. I haven't put it up yet. But yeah, I got my first bingo and it is, what the hell is it? Um, first date, terms of endearment, knitting and crochet and cafe. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I've only done one so far and it's coffee. Um, it's, it's up on my site. Yep. Um, I did a Facebook thing for YouTube last night where I um, posted my channel and I doubled oh. my subscriptions. I still only have like a, a, just a little under... 200 so i need i need i need 800 more to get so my um monetization you're doing you're doing this where you're not actually showing up right no 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 no, no face cam <clears throat> okay just making sure no craziness <clears throat> anyways no okay so um so you have a choice between making jack's motivations to going for going to um Pegasus uh, political or mm -hmm. um, personal? Well, we can do both, actually, where, you know, the the political is, you know, if you don't go, then then we're going to get stuck with this bleeding heart liberal, you know, diplomat who, you know, has come up with this completely inaccurate or inadequate um, supply list. And she wants the hardest of the hard ass Marines that you've gotten your um at the SGC is her, her person, but she's managed to browbeat him into uselessness. And Jack, come on, step up. That implies that they let Elizabeth Weir plan the mission before and then and then replaced her with Jack. I'd like to do one where he was the choice from the beginning. Okay. So, choice. Let's do this. I have colored ink, too. Choice. Well, you can use ginger on your ass, but it's got to be something that you do deliberately. I'm just saying. 
Seriously, if I'm going to bring ginger on the expedition, it ain't going up somebody's ass. It's going in food. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Well, yeah, of course. Well, we, yeah, we've already discussed that one of the reasons why he might go to Pegasus is for a personal reason that Daniel wanted to go to Atlantis. And so, of course, he would take Daniel with him. You know, I don't think if, if Daniel Jackson was told that Jack O'Neill got to go to Pegasus and he didn't, I think he'd have a fit. <laughs> I think he just, I think he'd spontaneously ascend and descend on Atlantis just to bitch Jack out. <laughs> he'd be there waiting for them to arrive. Uh-huh. Mm. The capricious what she what Kira's wanting is Jack is the only choice. Correct? Uh, yeah, that, that's what I would want to write. But okay. well, you can write whatever you want. I'm like just you as in general to the the audience. I'm not right. specific. Well, you can also write whatever you want because I'm Thank not going to boss you around. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that if, if I wrote it, I would want to write it where he was the he was the only choice. He was the choice that IOA made. Mm-hmm. Well, I well the IOA made that decision to begin with, so why wouldn't they make it for Jack O'Neill? Actually. You know, have it as a. Well, no, I think that if um, I think if Jack is taking Daniel, that one of the reasons why he might be doing that is to separate, um, because he's made a choice between them, and he chose Daniel, and so leaving Carter behind on Earth would be um, a better choice emotionally for for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Because you can't ignore the fact, even if Jack wasn't in love with her, although we know he was in canon, it, it is obvious that Carter is in love with Jack O'Neill. Oh, desperately. And so if he makes a choice between them, taking them both to Atlantis is just toxic. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know. I have... think McKay might be a little sour about O'Neill being the leader, but. um mm. Okay, so I'm going to take a couple comments on here. Um, Jaylar has, would John still go because Earth would need someone uh, to sit in the chair in emergency situations? It's proven that, you know, they, they can find the ATA gene. Okay, we've got um, Carson, we've got uh, Carson, um, O'Neill, and Kusanagi at that, at that point. And then we have Shepard. And so, um, Boom Mom is right. We do have Clone O'Neill. And we also have Shepard's family. And about the time that I'm pretty sure that, that John's blood was being tested, somebody was opening up his jacket and going, Hey, look, we have family. And they're alive. And finding out that his father is active duty means that you can pull him in and get a blood test without much of an issue. As a matter of fact, it's pretty damn easy. Wouldn't they already have his DNA on file? Okay, so they have his DNA on file. Maybe. Okay. Um, actually, Isn't there I'm like kinda... a database of military, have active duty military personnel? I don't know when that went into effect, though. Julie's saying the mid 1990s. Okay. So yeah, 
So they would have him and any mm-hmm. relatives he has. They would have them. In fact, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know why they wouldn't be actively reviewing that database. She's saying 1991. Um, actively reviewing that database for gene carriers. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they figure out what the ATA gene is, and with a database of four, they should find it pretty easily. Um, they should have been. If they mm-hmm. weren't, they should have been. It was if if they weren't, it was dumb. They yeah. should have absolutely been looking. Totally trolling for it, which means that Shepard would have been on their horizon no matter what. Well, see the see, the ability um, for them to actually create the gene therapy tells mm-hmm. us that they had a very specific. They knew specifically what the ATA gene was and where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they would be able to find it pretty easily. It might be for only identifying remains, but that doesn't mean the SGC, which is a secret project, wouldn't have gotten permission from the DOD to troll it for ATA gene characters in defense of the planet. ATA gene carriers. Mm -hmm. There's a comment or there's a question in the ask questions um, from um, Shadowlight Hawk about how would Jack handle Carson and his dubious ethics? Um, does his pragmatism bring him to let Carson uh, slide on things? Is he scientifically medically aware enough to see the problems? Jack has been the recipient of medical testing um, because of the hell is that damn snake's name? Ball. Um, no, the A, uh, the A, the one who stuck the uh, bracelets on them and, and got them kicked out of Amalie's. Ansar? Uh, uh, um, I, I know who you mean. Yes, Anise. Thank you. Anise. Anise. Um, <laughs> he hates medical testing. Okay. He's hated it for years. He suffers through the tests that he has to do to get back uh, through the, uh, through medical with, with, um, with Janet, I mean, he's, he's had Anise and her bracelets. He's had the spear through his shoulder, which was spawning some alien race that used him as a loudspeaker. Um, there's the, I, the point would be that Jack O'Neill would be very opposed to medical experimentation. Oh yeah. Totally opposed. Um, well, Totally opposed outs it, for somebody who's sitting there and playing mad scientist. Right. So I think that he'd probably put a tight leash on Carson Beckett. Mm-hmm. I think he would recognize, you know, from a pragmatics point of view, that he does need the ATA gene therapy because they need more carriers, both on, on Atlantis yes. and on Earth, if they find Atlantis. So he would recognize that. And I think that um, there wouldn't just be Carson Beckett, actually, there should be a team. Mm-hmm. that are responsible to and for each other so yes. that there would be some kind of peer process in place so you don't have somebody going off the rails and creating an orc. Oracle warrior. My husband called a niece seven of Tokra. <laughs> uh, seven of nine was better looking. <laughs> true, true. Still is. But- 
but he called her Seven of Tokra. Um, because you know, she just really was just there for sex appeal, mm-hmm. which is how he felt about seven of um a seven of nine. Um yeah. big tits. And uh cat suit. Uh so mm-hmm. yeah, so so he called her Seven of Tokra. Of course, he also <laughs> called um Apophis Poppy Grande, so yeah. But I I do also think that Jack O'Neill would be like, okay, you can uh, you're going you're, you're coming on the mission, but you're not the CMO. I think that Jack mm-hmm. would have wanted a military CMO to be perfectly honest. Well, Janet's still alive. Is yes, she? No? Is she? No, because that that other woman was the interim. No, now wait a second. The reason I'm saying I think she's still alive is because. She died in the year that Jack was um, the the CO, and no, we're leaving no, before uh, that. No, no. Yes, because they had a different. They had Janet wasn't there. Oh no! You're, wait a second. This is. She died before he was promoted. Right, well, Queenie's right. Damn. Yeah, I just found it. It's, episode, it's season seven. Damn it. Which sucks. Yes. Well, bugger nuts. Okay. Mm. Okay, so we need... I def, I, you know, this, the sad thing is, is there's not many doctors actually... We got Lamb and we got... Um, Lamb became the CMO um, of the SGC after her father became the general. Right. Landry, but there was a doctor in between Fraser and Lamb. Yeah, and um, I actually uh, used her in Iterum. She didn't have a last name, so I gave her one. No, she had a last name. She didn't have a first name. Um, yeah, it was. It starts with an M, if I remember right. Brightman, yes, thank you, River. Oh, Re- Re- wasn't who Brightman. I was thinking of. Okay, so I thought Brightman was a guy. Brightman is a guy. Um, and Brightman's a Brightman's a dude. Yeah, I agree. No, Brightman's a girl. Brightman's a girl. Was it? Copy. Paste. Brightman. Carmichael was the dude. Brightman was the girl. Yeah, she's the replacement for... Yeah. Actress's first name is Aslan. But that's not who I used. Um, no, it's not. I didn't use anybody in Iterum. It sounds. It looks like maybe it wasn't Iterum. I'm thinking of. Um. But I, was it? Was it hold my? No. Was it hold my coffee? It was hold my coffee. It, no, it wasn't. No. Yeah. It was it was hold your? It yeah, because Janet because, was dead. Yeah. Yeah. And what the one I'm thinking of is actually a Jilly because it's um, 
it's one of her EADs. And it's the one with um, John and Alex at the SGC. Kelly's saying that it was in a Atlantis Codex is Jilly's. Yes. Um, I named her Iona. I um Iona Brightman, and that was in um Hold My Coffee. And she's in four she's in four different episodes, but she doesn't have a first name in canon. That's just the first name that I chose. Um we also have a Warner. Um he's a I think Brightman's doctor. on a blank slate, so you could do a lot with her. Mm -hmm. And that puts another woman in the cast. True. Right. So because I know I'm, I'm actually I noticed I'm very guilty. Um, mm -hmm. um, Priya was a doctor in um, finding Atlantis. Mm -hmm. um, she's um, she, she works in the infirmary with Beckett. Um, so she's kind of like a, a side character. And I, I make her um, her first name Alyssa. I'm not sure if she actually had a first name in canon, but for me, she's Alyssa Brio. Um, so, but so if we're going to have Brightman um, be, well, what I was going to say is that I actually I'm kind of guilty of um, a lot of times. Uh, Cert, it, it, even when I'm creating OCs of creating mm -hmm. more um, male characters than mm -hmm. female characters and so I'm trying to be um, conscious of that right hmm okay so let's see we have Brightman okay so she is not listed as, she's actually not given a rank that I can see. She's just given as medical doctor and member of the Stargate program. Yeah, I think Brightman was actually a civilian. Mm-hmm. But you could change that. Yeah. Well, if you want to give her a rank. Look at Janet Frazier because they also list Dr. Janet Frazier as Dr. Janet Frazier instead of listing her rank. Mm -hmm. But I think she was a captain or a, a, a major when she died. Was she a major when she died? She was a major, if I remember right. Okay, so. Yep. She never got a chance to be promoted up to colonel. She's, I think she was on basically the same schedule as Carter. So if we're going to have Brightman as being in the military, do we want her Air Force or what service? Make her a Marine. Oh, she's going to be interesting. <laughs> because... Mm. Okay, she's a Marine. And let's see, Google. Yeah, just to give you guys an idea, I actually don't remember the ranks off right offhand for the conversion between the two. If you ask me what somebody's rank is in the Navy, easy. So I think that she, well, if she's, um, well, 
I think that major and major and Air Force and Marine are the same rank, right? Yeah, it's um, well, every every rank or every service but the Navy is basically, um, you know, uh, lieutenant through um, through general. The Navy is just special. And yes, I'm aware. So um, major is good. I actually have a. It is a cheat sheet. There it is. Oh, Discord doesn't like me and my list was too long. Let's see. That's because I was including the... Ah, uh, it's still too long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you, Ellie, because that was just not happening. Seriously. Tiny, tiny URL. Why don't you have that bookmarked? <laughs> okay, so... She is a 04, which is a, uh, which is a major. It implies some experience. So she's not some newbie oh, yeah. like Keller going out there. Um, and also she has enough rank to mm -hmm. um, cow all of the military personnel with the exception of O'Neill. <laughs> Oh, he, she's going to cow him, too, because... Well, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, but he wouldn't be going out in the field in his position, either, so... Not so much, no, but, you know, this this is the type of woman who would probably sit there and pull out the needles that you use to, you know, insert, you know, the, the medical-grade glue for bones, you know, and that the, they're the ones with the large bores on them, and just say, you know, and you've got a problem, uh, General, as she's laying these things out, and he's giving those things the hairy eyeball, you know. <laughs> Because you know, well, you know, the thing about the thing about Keller is that just that's just nerd fantasy um, fulfillment on the part mm -hmm. of the writers, and they fully admitted that um, they wanted the nerd to get the girl, the, um, wanted the nerd to get the cheerleader. Um, Ick, right? If I was Jewel State, I'd be furious um, to have that. There's no doubt that she. I'm pretty sure she was at one point, but still, I'd have been like, no, and fuck you. Mm-hmm. Fuck you for thinking it. Part of the reason Janet managed to keep him in line is she kept stabbing him in the ass with needles every time he came back from, from you know, being out uh, off planet. You get enough of those, you start paying attention. <laughs> we have some people with some interesting gifts or, or, or whatever the hell those things are. Man, Discord. Mm-hmm. It's not only bad writing, um, it's very arrogant writing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but yeah, the men who wrote Star um, Stargate were very um, nerds. Sexist. That works too. Well, yeah, was the author, the writers on, Atlanta, on um, NCIS think the best way to get rid of a, a female character is to shoot her in the head. So, mm hmm. Just saying. Okay. So let's say Brightman, it takes what, six years or so to become a doctor? Ish, yeah. Plus okay. internship. Um, 
So let's say she started to, let's, let's put her in the minor genius category. So she started medical school at 16 because we want her to be of reasonable age. Well, medical school. No, I mean like college. Yeah. I mean the whole thing, 16 or so. Okay. So she is 23, 24 by the time she gets the, the uh, MD at the end of her name with all the attendant responsibilities. All right. Um, and then goes into the Marine Corps. Well, why does she have to? Well, well, I have, I have a question. Why does she have to be young? Well, no. the The reason I'm I'm doing this is because it takes between nine and eleven years to make major. Which well, will wouldn't her couldn't her, she have been in the military the whole time? Yes and no. She's doing OTS or uh, OTS um, um, ROTC, which would put her would ha- which would help get her some rank, but. Yeah, I suppose. I I wasn't an officer, so you know, for me, it's kind of. I look at it as you know, trying to figure out how to get somebody to be um, mature, but not too far. Because well, if she came into the military with a medical degree, she would. Um, people with degrees don't they automatically go into OTS if they want it? Not really. You don't have to. I, I mean, but if who, they want it, and yeah. why would somebody with an, with an MD come into the military and not want to be an officer? Yeah. So, but she could come out of OTS as a captain. Mm-hmm. And how many years in rank between captain and major? Um, you make, you can make captain somewhere around four to six years. And then you have to be in great as a captain for about two before you're eligible to be major, it looks like. So if she came out of medical school, joined the mm-hmm. Marines, went to OTS, came out a captain, two years later, she could be two to three years later, she could be reported to major. She could be 34 or 35. Mm-hmm. Which would be That'd where be I'd put her anyhow. Perfectly reasonable. Yep. So I think 35 would be a good age. Mm-hmm. Given that, that takes her out, that takes her out of medical residency. Mm-hmm. Do the OTS. Um, she could have been in ROTC this whole time, right? Um, then, then come out of OTS as a captain. Give her a couple years in service. She comes mm-hmm. into the SGC as a major. And given what was going on at the time, she would have had some time in the more interesting portions of the planet handling um, combat injuries because you want a combat. Um, trained medical officer. She could also like, you know, she could be just there as an interim replacement for um uh Frazier. And then when the Atlantis mission comes up, she asks him she asks O'Neill, I want to tells him I want to go. Yeah, but you don't want somebody who is I'm sorry, I don't want a a home side person who's never had any combat injuries or had access to them. Okay, so apparently Julie looked it up and said doctors must attend OT um, officer development school. Mm-hmm. So all military doctors are officers. That makes sense because they have to have some kind of power rank to back them up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because a general wouldn't wouldn't. I'm not sure a general would be on board with an with a with an NCO uh, grounding them from from duty 
due to medical injury. <laughs> Actually, it can be done if you've got a um, a chief with enough chutzpah and is a nurse. You can get away with it. It just you need a doctor to sign off on it. Right. So it wouldn't be like the nurse actually officially doing it. Oh, no, the nurse would be the one who would be putting in for it. But, you know, the, the doctor would be the one signing off on it going, are you sure? <laughs> As they're signing their name to this. Let's the just ones, see how this goes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. What she's what they're saying in the chat room is that she could have actually done her residency in the military. Um, she could have, um, after she completed her medical schooling part and did her residency, she could have done a residency in the military, which would have given her the combat experience that she wanted her to have. So, copy and paste from some site. If you enter a licensed physician, your rank will be typically begin at captain or major or lieutenant or lieutenant commander in the Navy. But if you may, but it may be higher depending on where you are in your career. When you apply to join the military, professional review board will evaluate your work experience, prior service of any, and once your rank is determined, it must be approved by Congress or the Secretary of Defense. This process may take several months. But this would all be background information on this character that may or may not come up. Mm -hmm. um, it would depend on um, the scene structure and everything. But, it, but it's good to know mm -hmm. where your character's coming from when you're writing them. Um, and where, you know, what their experiences are. and Because that helps you determine how they're going to respond to situations that might happen in your plot. In a very realistic way. Yep. I'm going to have her as being divorced. Because... Aside from, you know, just, you know, age, it's also doctors lead stressful lives and they have high divorce rates. Maybe, maybe the divorce is the reason she joined the Marines. There's a reason. Okay. She gets through medical school. Um, she's getting ready to do her residency. Her marriage explodes. And she's like, well, fuck this. Um, how am I going to pay for my student loans? <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> shit just got real um, and mm -hmm. she... works for me she does and she does her residency um, in the marines mm -hmm. so by the time she gets to the SGC she's a major she's in her middle 30s um, with a bitter ex-husband no children no children um and when the Atlantis mission comes up and she knows that she's about to be replaced by Caroline Lamb, nepotism for the win, she was mm -hmm. like, she's asked O'Neill, can can I go to Pegasus with you? And mm -hmm. he's like, Hell yes, you can. <laughs> go pack your shit. <laughs> okay. You know. Someone said that they went to the Doogie Hauser writing camp on the whole Keller thing. Ugh. I loved Doogie Hauser when I was little. I loved it. It's horrifying now as an adult. Oh, Margaret. <laughs> oh, Margaret. Oh, Margaret. Doesn't know what Doogie Hauser is. Oh, my God. Oh, God. That show's probably older than she is. Doogie Howser is it was a show about um, a 
a child genius who goes to medical school. And so he's practicing medicine as a doctor at 15 or 16, which is terribly unlikely because you can't even be licensed for malpractice insurance until you're 18. Um, So, you know, just ignore reality. Uh, Oh, we're, we're, you want take a look at the, the time period on there. Oh God. 1989 to 93. When were you born, Margaret? She was born somewhere around 2000. Oh God, help us. The show is actually older than her. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, Neil Patrick Harris played Doogie Hauser and uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, uh, Margaret, and um, you might know him from How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, he played Doogie Hauser, and he was he was a child genius doctor. So, oh yeah, he was in Haggard and the Angry. Um, not Haggard. Did I say that? Did I actually yes, say you that? Did. Hedwig and the Angry Inch on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got our CMO, and she's got she's got so Carson. Co- so Carson in hand. Oh yeah, and he's on a short leash, very short leash. <laughs> Put Doogie Hauser on. I think that hopefully by the time he is that age, he'd he'd have been going by Douglas. Oh, Lord, not, hopefully. And still not being called Doogie. <laughs> Doug, Douglas, Dr. Hauser. <laughs> Find another nickname, dude. Please, God. Okay. So. <laughs> I refuse to believe that, Angelic. She says, once a doogie, always a doogie. I just, I don't, I, I refuse to accept it. You know, I'm pretty sure that to some of his family, he's always going to be doogie. But to, you know, he's he's going to reach a point where in his professional life, it's Douglas. We're not doing a doogie house or crossover, as funny as no. that will be. But no, yeah, Vinny, no, no. Vinny as a Marine and Dr. Ha- Dr. Hauser as a CMO. That's hilarious. <sighs> Queenie, are you listening? <laughs> You like to write crack. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, let's pass on that one. Okay, so, and then we have um, Daniel as he's in charge of all the soft sciences. Because the thought of, of Rodney being in charge of soft sciences just makes me giggle. Even though technically he was in canon. Yeah, but I think he ignored them and tried to get them, uh, get Groden to deal with them. So, okay, he's got the hard sciences. And then we still want Shepard. So he's going to be the EXO. And he is a major. And it's debatable if he, there's a review of Afghanistan as to why he was sent down south. Um, Hayes wouldn't be why he got soft-pedaled, I don't think, because he wasn't in places that the uh, president at that point. 
He probably would have been a senator, maybe. And that could have been enough to soft pedal him. True. Especially if he was on the committee for mm -hmm. the DOD. True. Who's the CSO, Rodney or Daniel from Ronan? Um, I think Rodney's the CSO. I don't think Daniel yeah. would want to be CO, CSO. And that's what Queenie's saying. Um, I can't see Daniel being CSO. He, in my personal headcanon, he is the ranking um, civilian in the in the mountain, and has all the attendant um, responsibilities, which he does, you know, do his best to to discharge. But honest to God, he would really rather not. Also, I think that in that situation, Carter handled the the, the hard sciences and Daniel mm -hmm. handled the soft. So I think he would expect that relationship to continue mm -hmm. on Atlantis with McKay. Right. Um, and the other side of it being that this is a Daniel Jackson who's been through a whole fucking lot. And maybe he's just seeing Atlantis as an opportunity to kind of relax yep. and, and do his own thing and um, and not have to deal with all the crap he had to deal with. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a widower. He lost his wife. He he basically spent eight, nine years in, in what amounted to war with the gold. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's like a, like, kind of like a soft retirement. And then the wraith happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phoenix. Space, <laughs> space, <laughs> space vampires. Yeah. <laughs> space catfish vampires. Who make Marilyn Manson look like he's, you know, a puff skin. Okay, and I know that it's actually kind of um, tempting to write Daniel and Rodney having a antagonistic relationship, kind of like a snarky um, love to hate each other kind of thing. Um, but also, I think it'd be really fun if they had like this just this epic romance over coffee that drove John and Jack crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you can't have that carafe. It's the biggest one on the table, Walter. It's not for you, sir. It's for Daniel and for Dr. McKay. <laughs> it's just, oh, was he taking Walter with him? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> of course he's taking Walter. <laughs> Walter has to go. And so Siler. Well, you have to leave somebody in charge of the SGC because you know that they know. actually run the place. They actually run the place. Oh, God damn it. Okay, so wait a second. Walter and Siler are sitting there in the control room playing rocks, paper, scissors. To who gets to go? go. Or no, no, no. On who has to go. Oh, God. <laughs> to take care of O'Neill. Yes. Rocks, paper. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. I don't think the Big Bang Theory actually existed at this point, so they couldn't reference it, but that's pretty mm -hmm. funny. And they, yeah, Margaret, they have to do it in front of everyone. You know, it's, it's a planning meeting. You know, and all you hear is as they're trying to figure it out. And then one of them says, God damn it, and leaves. And you don't know if that was either because he won or because he lost. <laughs> And everybody's kind of looking at each other and side-eyeing side the one who's sitting there. It's like, hi. Hi, sir. Let's get started. 
I'll be go. My name is Walter. I'll be going. This is my assistant, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. So if we're if we're gonna be doing if we're going for those guys, and we've got the semi um, OC with Patrick. I can't leave. I can't leave Cooper out of this. Well, no, you of course not. That's your OC. I stick my OCs whenever I want to, and sometimes yeah. I stick yours in. <laughs> yep. I hey. did use Chief Co Cooper um, on mm -hmm. Finding Atlantis. For those of you who mm -hmm. didn't notice the Easter egg, did I credit you for that? I'm, I'm pretty sure you did. Okay, I'm gonna go check to make sure I'm not an asshole. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, honey, but you are. It's kind of <gasps> endemic. <sighs> It's part of your personality, but let me re let you me tell you. You could have at least said it was part of my charm. No, it's just part of your personality. The charm is just this lovely overlay that goes on top of all of that. Heifer. Yeah, well, moo. Let me see. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm from Clan Asshole too, so you know, big deal. Someone says in the chat room, you're you're breathing pretty heavily on your mic. Oh, I'm so back, sorry. Back it up a little bit. You oh, someone says in the chat room that Cooper would be friends with a new doc. No, she wouldn't. No, she wouldn't. Cooper is enlisted. She's an NCO, and the doctor is an officer. And enlisted and officers, there's a there's a big divide. There would be no casual friendships between an enlisted um personnel and an officer. There is a level of familiarity and comfort that can happen and there are friendships that do happen but for the most part um senior enlisted and the officers how to put this there's a level of formality the best i can put it is um oh god this is going to sound so horrible you've got the aristocracy and then you've got their head servants and that's about the the level of sometimes the level of formality and it's a horrible way to put it but it's the best downton abbey you know in the head and the head um servants of that now walter and cooper are going to get along there was actually another junior officer on the city but they died during the nanai incident mm-hmm there was um, there was another lieutenant. There were two lieutenants, um, but I personally thought that Ford was Sumner's personal pick. And if Ford stays on um, Earth, I think he. Um, I, I think if Sumner doesn't go, then neither does Ford. Honestly, it's not a big loss. I think that Ford was basically um, Sumner's baby officer project. I'm going to raise him up to a real life Marine. Good luck on that one. And so um, I think that we would probably get a different choice. And it wouldn't be Lauren because Lauren and Shepard would have equal rank. Um, Shepard might have a, have a year or more um, time and grade on Lauren. Right. But would they put two majors out there? On the first run? No. You're gonna. I mean, when they expanded the force, when they when they expanded the squad, the mm -hmm. battalion into mm -hmm. a full battalion, they would probably need more. Um, 
you would start with um, CO, XO, and then that's and then the next level is where the split starts. Okay. Tally so. is a major. Um, Cadman's a captain. Mm -hmm. Teldy could be a captain at this point. She's a major when we see her four years mm -hmm. later, uh, three or four years later. But you could have Teldy come in as a captain. Mm -hmm. And Cadman might actually be a lieutenant who just got bumped when we meet her. No, the, the first time we ever see Lauren, he's a major. Just like Davis, Major Davis. Mm -hmm. um, he's a major all the way to the end, I think. Which is stupid because the man should have been at least a lieutenant colonel by the time the, the damn thing was finished. Right. They neglected everybody's rank but Carter. Mm-hmm. And Jack. Well, I think they actually promoted him because the actor was tired of doing what he was doing. So in, in, in turn, they, they promoted Carter to fill the gap. So... But the very first time we meet, Lauren, he's a major. He's um, mm -hmm. he's on a planet. He's running an SG team, um, and um, he kind of butts head with Daniel Jackson. Yep, he was he was a major um, assigned as the executive officer to Colonel Edwards at the Naquita Dig at P three X four hundred three. If they followed real life, John Shepard wouldn't still be in the Air Force. In real life, the likelihood. An officer of his rank could have survived what happened in Afghanistan, disobeying orders in the field the way he did. He'd have been um, he'd been court-martialed and discharged. Kind of, maybe. I just don't see. I mean, because not only did he disobey orders, he lost equipment, very expensive equipment, because the because the helicopter crashed. And I think he got a bigger hit for the loss of money than he would the. Disobeying orders. Because you know how they are. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, the thing is, is I don't think Jack O'Neill would hold it against Lauren. He lost Jack Jackson because everybody loses Jackson. He's lost oh, Jackson, he's multiple, lost Jackson multiple times. Mm -hmm. I mean, so losing Daniel Jackson is practically a rite of passage at the SGC. So it yeah, was no surprise back. to me at all that the feral Asgard kidnapped him while he was under John's dubious supervision because it was just John's turn to lose Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> the fact is, is they got him back and he hadn't ascended. So therefore, I think he's got a couple positive marks in his column. <laughs> you lost Daniel. Yes, sir. Did he ascend? No, sir. No, Did sir. you get him back in one piece? Yes, sir. Did he lose any blood? No, sir. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Congratulations on your your competent Jackson wrangling, Major Colonel Shepard. <laughs> yeah. I you know, honestly, I think that um I don't think Jack O'Neill would have been the sort. Upon their landing, they look through the database, pick the first planet that looks reasonable, and go and, and they go there. Mm -hmm. Would Jack do that? Probably not. Mm. I th I think you know. I think Jack would have been a little more cautious. Yeah, cautious, paranoid. Um, 
I think, well, no, I think he would have gone through, but he still would have, there would have been people going through to that first planet, but meanwhile, there would have, they would have been looking for more. Right. I think he would have sent out multiple teams, but I don't think yes. he would have been on any of them. Um, and depending on how long that discussion took place, uh, there's also every reason to believe that if John had actually been in charge of that mission on Athos, he wouldn't have wandered off with Taylor to pick up that necklace. Right. Which, uh, which alerted the Wraith that there were ancients on the planet. Which caused us all the issues. Which caused the culling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood that he would have in, even been in that cave system to find that necklace of Taylor's is, is actually terribly unlikely because he would have been in charge of the actual mission instead of Sumner. He would have different priorities. And he's actually been proven to be pretty responsible when he's on a mission. I mean, yeah, he can... When, when he's in charge. Yeah. But at that point, he was still trying to get, a, um, get under Sumner's skin. And it worked. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. Kelly has a good point that uh, Jack would have sat Shepard down for all the mission reports before they leave as well. Here's how he done fucked up. Don't take or don't follow our example. And also, Jack has a lot of experience with ancient technology. He also has the download. Would his first inclination to be, well, if the shield's going to fail, McKay, then you need to get us off the fucking ocean floor. Mm-hmm. Find the chair. Find the chair right now. One of us is getting in it. One of the other things, honestly, is, you know, it's going to be a case of, um, you know, our people got kidnapped if, if it gets to that point. Well, then go get them back. Why aren't and, you gone yet? Have, are, and there wouldn't be any here. argument or discussion. McKay found some really cool ships in the back. Take one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've but still, I really don't before. think that John would have been in the, in the circumstances to find that necklace at that point. It might mm-hmm. happen later on as they're exploring the ruins at, in, on Athos for a ZPM because that was what they were there for, for. They were there there to study the ancient ruins that had been left behind on that planet. And they never did um, check them. They never did check them. Uh, so it would be interesting for that, for that to happen at a later point. Um where they already have a really good, strong relationship with the Athosians. Um, and it wouldn't be this, um, of course, you know, with the calling, it would still be quite an emergency. Um, but it wouldn't be the same kind of situation that they faced the first time around. And then, you know, Daniel Jackson can go over there and explore the ruins and maybe he picks up the necklace. Daniel doesn't have the ATA gene, though. Exactly. Exactly. And he brings it back to the city or wherever, like maybe, you know, or something. And he gives it to McKay or to Shepard and it lights up and they realize it's ancient technology. Mm-hmm. Then they figure out what it really is. Mm. And they use it. Actually, what I can see is his him handing it over on planet. Hey, look, I found this and hands it to somebody. And it lights up and they realize it's um, been, it, it's responding to the ATA gene. Right. At which point, you know, they, ee, that's where things get dicey. Cause then we, that's when we start getting, um, you know, the whole process of getting the, the Athosians back into 
um, Atlantis and, and crew. They don't have to go there, though. See, that's the point. Last night we were talking about, um, like, what would happen if somebody else had been in charge of the city. Um, right. And the fact the, the fact is, is the Athosians don't need to be on the city. Well, I'm not thinking Number they one, do, but... The, well, what I'm saying is that the city is actually dangerous. Oh, it is. It's structurally unsound in a lot of places. There's lots of damage. Um, the ancient law fucked up shit around. Um, Gento is the one that finds the the energy creature that almost kills them all. Um, he's lucky not to have died. It was just it was very dangerous to to have them on the city to begin with, for their right. own sake. Um, so whether it, they end up on the mainland, or that they help the Athosians establish a new world and use for, for and also use it as a backup site for themselves, um, would actually make more sense logistically speaking. Mm-hmm. Now, Jack O'Neill's all about rescuing an alien to, um, to, to help them out. He has a history of it. But to, to take on a whole society with, with their limited supplies and the city in such disrepair, mm-hmm. it just seems very irresponsible. It does. And I can't see him doing the whole thing, but I can see him making friends, trying to, to um, you know, if the, the, the Wraith calling happens and they're at that point they're allies, I can see him doing his best to to help and to get people back if possible. Well, the fact is, is that the Wraith only attack them when they're on, when they're on other worlds, when she's wearing this necklace. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason there is something on Atlantis blocking the signal. Point. But, but they also find out that the Wraith are on their way at some point. Are they on their oh. way because of, ta- um, because of Taylor's necklace? I don't remember. The thing is, that it could stay lost. You don't have to find the necklace. Mm-hmm. It can stay right where it is forever. Buried in the dirt. Hmm. Or they can recognize what it is on the planet. Um, try to turn it off. And when it doesn't succeed, they destroy it. Yeah. But they wouldn't know that it was a race signal from, because at that point they didn't know what the race were. Um, we never see them try to get through the gate, though. So they, so I don't think they were ch- um, checking DHDs for gate addresses. You know, what was it? Um, who's the one who did? I don't think um, O'Neill would be going on missions on a regular basis, no. No. The chances of a general going on missions are not good. I mean, no. So John would probably lead the first team, um, and then he would have junior officers leading out other teams. Um, I think Daniel Jackson would kind of meander between the teams, depending on what was going on, but wouldn't have an official team. Just go there for the cultural stuff. Um. But if you want Taylor on the city, then there, then I think the culling has to happen. Right. Um, I think Jack would blow the above the Janata fuck up. You know, there's a reason I brought the thermonuclear weapon. <laughs> but you know, on the other side of it is, is that he would know that that society has children there, and he would never, um, he would never make war on children. Um, no, he's he never has. So yeah, that's one of the things that he's. That's the reason why he was so unhappy with Marin and her people. Because of what they did. 
Yeah. I think Daniel's curiosity is one of the more um, interesting factors of his characterization. Um, and so I don't think he would be content to not explore Pegasus. Oh, God. The, the kids, Planet Kid, and all those. And that's how Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill became the guardians of 125 children. <laughs> Ever how many there were? I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing at a number. Um, Damn. I thought actually that was one of the more deeply irresponsible things that the um, expedition yeah. did that they left those kids there. Why couldn't those kids have joined the um, the Asogians? Well, part of the reason they left them there is they they put that that ZPM back and they they left the field alone. That All doesn't. Right. There's still a whole bunch of children in that in that. I know. With no. I am totally with you there, but they. The Athosians yeah. could have joined them. I know. You know, I, I can I can see Daniel coming back through the gate going, they followed me home, Jack. And and Jack looking at him going, they're not cats. Put them back. They don't have a back, Jack. There's nothing to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're introducing them to the shower. Have fun. The thing is, is that even if they wanted to keep their own culture, that that society was majority children. Mm-hmm. Majority. Which means not they only... They 25. I mean, there were not adult, enough adults on that planet to make that kind of decision. It was no. deeply irresponsible to leave those children to, to fend for themselves. I'm pretty damn certain that they started having Especially kids around 14. Expect, yeah, especially when you consider the fact that their go-to solution to keep safe was to commit suicide, that they were doing ritual suicides. That was their go-to solution to their problem, ritual suicide, instead of actually, you know, I don't know, having, having people over a certain age leave the planet. They had a fucking mm -hmm. Stargate, but instead of leaving the planet, they committed suicide. Mm-hmm. No one in that society was capable of making a rational decision. So somebody should have been an adult because they didn't have any. Yeah, I can I can totally see Jack, you know, can we fold them into the Athosians? You know, can, can they handle this in, the influx of these kids? Yeah. Because it seems to me that their culture evolved around getting pregnant really young and dying at 25. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I can see them delaying uh, death is if somebody was pregnant. And even then, after the birth and maybe weaning, they die. So you had kids raising kids. Yep. It is just, it's. It was, it was egregious. I just, I just had Can a real problem. Can we say Lord of the Flies? Yeah, it was exactly like Lord of the Flies. Only a little more civilized. It was a little yes. more civilized. Because they weren't killing each other. They were just making each other kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jack is going to have an aneurysm over that planet. Because if that man has any soft spot, it's kids. So... You know, and Daniel's got much the same soft spot. Oh, God. 
at this point, the, um, the, the exactly Sahara Adobians or whatever, or whatever the, um, Abydos, uh, his, his in-laws are dead and his stepson is ascended. And well, actually his Jack or John, Daniel's in-laws are ascended. And so is his stepson. Can you imagine them showing up on Atlantis going, you're not where you left, where we left you. <laughs> How are you locking this? Is this okay? <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're going to hang out around here because it, it it's getting real over there. <laughs> we don't. It's quiet over here. <laughs> All the assholes are in, in Milky Way. So we're going to come over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kusaf would definitely do the, Oh, grandbabies routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think that um Jack would leave clone clone Jack behind? Um You can write two ways. Um I don't th actually think that real Jack and clone Jack or original Jack, the OG and and the newbie were actually comfortable around one another. Um, so I don't know that he would bring him to Atlantis, but uh, I don't think he would leave him in a situation on Earth where he's not safe because he's also a backup chair user. Mm -hmm. So if he's already in the military um, at that point or getting close to joining, um, it could be that they're kind of um, keeping him under the radar and moving him into a position where they can get him back into the SGC. So they have him available to use um, ancient technology. Patrick would actually have a very interesting reaction to that then. I think that, you know, meeting a clone Jack would be really startling. Um, but also clone Jack is a really young man. So he might take him under, try to take him under his wing and not even like, you know, really cognitively recognize that he's trying to take a, a, a clone under his, his wing. That's actually his age mentally. <laughs> and, and Jack's giving, going, Patrick, it's me. Come on. Well, the thing is, is clone Jack would just be like, um, at the most he'd be the Lieutenant. Um, coming in well, if if they if they, if they got him through OTS and if not he's a what a lance corporal if he's in the marines and uh, an airman and if he's in the air force well here here's the thing that i'm thinking of depending on what um patrick was doing in the navy okay he if if he was in black ops he might have brushed up against o'neill mm -hmm. and you know not it, Joint ops are kind of an interesting thing to do, but the 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 community ain't that big. Well, the thing is, is if Jack O'Neill was doing black ops, he was probably doing them in a, in a joint op operation because isn't mm -hmm. that not really the bailiwick of Air Force? Yes and no. They've got them. They're just rare, rare. So it would make sense to me that if that he was involved in that kind of work, mm -hmm. that he was probably doing it in joint task force. Mm -hmm. He might have run up in, in into a uh, team with a bunch of SEALs. 
Yeah, but Clone Jack does have all that experience, but he's just eighteen or nineteen years old. And we know what we learned from that experience from that episode is that no officer is going to take him seriously at that age. No, they're not. But you know, you have um, Patrick Shepard who knew Jack O'Neill as a major, maybe when he was, you know, um, a commander, and you know they're swapping war stories and, and, you know, doing their thing as, as they, you know, go into areas that are better left unmentioned and then they lose track of each other because, you know, they're no longer, Jack's no longer doing those ops and Patrick gets He's no longer doing those ops on the planet. <laughs> on, yes, this is a, a legit thing. And then, and then, um, you know, when, when Patrick gets sent over to the SGC He's looking at this list and he's going, I need somebody to talk to. This is so much bullshit. And Siler, because he's the unlucky sod who's left, goes... Or, or the lucky one, depending on your perspective, because they don't know yeah. about the space vampires yet. This is true. <laughs> and, you know, and he's... Well, okay, he thinks he's unlucky because he doesn't get to play with the city of Atlantis. Hello, he's an engineer. Toys! <laughs> um, so, you know... He's sitting there going, well, why don't you talk to, you know, you know, the little colonel? And everybody's going, the little colonel? Well, what else do you call clone Jack O'Neill? <laughs> and Patrick's going, what? What? <laughs> I, I haven't gotten to that briefing yet. Where is that in my briefing? <laughs> Where is the clone? The academy? <laughs> He's at, the, he's at the Air Force Academy. Yeah, because the clone thing didn't actually work out, so he's like 18. Mm -hmm. But he has all of his memories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's a valuable asset. But he's 18. And he's at the Academy. Yes, sir. And he has all that hormonal crap you would suspect to be happening to an 18-year-old happening to him. And Patrick's thinking, that is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I mean, 50 years old in the 18 year old body because <laughs> that hormone that hormone shit is real <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know you have you have a, a what did I have him as a two star or a three star uh, Admiral come walking into the Air Force Academy going I need to talk to you know yeah I need to talk to him. I think that I, I actually put um, clone Jack often in the Marines. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I think that uh, the Air Force Academy is super, super close to Cheyenne Mountain. And it makes sense if um, because he's a gene carrier uh, that they might want to keep him close and they might have, um, so, you know, it's easier to slap him into a 302 if he's within an hour or two of the base than it is right. if he's, you know, on the East Coast. So if he's in, if he's at Annapolis, he's he's not really as available as he would be if he's at the Air Force Academy. Mm -hmm. So um, if we're working on the assumption that they're keeping him close because he's a gene carrier and because Jack O'Neill, the OG, is not on the planet anymore, then they need to keep Clone Jack close. But let's just stop calling him Clone Jack and call him Nathan because his name is Jonathan and Clone Jack is rude. <laughs> yes. Like he's not even a real person. <laughs> so so Nathan O'Neill, um, 
when I call him Nathan O'Neill, um, he's usually Jack's nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I I would think they'd want to keep him close. And moreover, I think he would want to be close. And when he finds, if if he knows that Jack o, the the OG is not on the planet, then I think he would want to be as close to Cheyenne Mountain as he possibly could be. Okay, so we've got that. Now I have a question for you: Are we going to clone Daniel, or are we just going to keep? One well, that's only. your bailiwick. I wouldn't clone Daniel, but I know how you feel about it. So, well, you have one. Da- you, you have a, a Jack. You got to have a Daniel in some cases. You know, it all depends on if you're giving him a. Um, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly saying one Jackson is enough for any <laughs> for universe. And that's probably true. One Jackson probably is enough for me personally. Perf. I I think one of the things about Nathan O'Neill that's really fascinating is that it's Jack getting a second chance. Um, and I think that in order to really deal with the emotional landscape um, and being a clone, he would have to divorce himself from Jack O'Neill's life and become Nathan O'Neill. Um, so for me, it's about giving Jack a fresh start. Um, so there's new relationships, new ideas, new ambitions. Um, Ian. Well, yeah, I'm 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 really fond of, of Ian. Um, there's also there's other opportunities there's other ways and but you know his his sense of duty i think is going to keep him close to cheyenne mountain one Mm -hmm. way or another um but um it's up to you i mean what did what did queenie do the what queenie did is part of you know so here's the thing about that and i'm gonna be real honest jack o'neill Wanted to climb on that. But he had. A lot of experience and perspective. And he didn't have the hormones of an 18 year old. But if Carter. Took a seat on clone Jack's lap. Clone Jack would get some. Nathan would get some. Because he's 18. He has the hormones of an 18 year old. And Carter is hot. He would be on that. Like white on rice. The other reason he would be on that like white on rice is because he's not in her chain of command and he's not her CO. And that's the biggest reason Jack could look, he could pine, he could but he could you know, not touch. sigh, but he did not touch. The only time they came legitimately close to touching was that that one where they were under the ice as the, the people yeah, and in the time loop, his ass resigned time- before he kissed her. Yep. He turned in his resignation and then kissed her. Mm-hmm. And then, then there was that episode where they actually forgot who they were. Yep, that's the one I'm talking about. Um. So, but yeah, but Clone Jack, I mean, Nathan wouldn't have any of those qualms. So if, if Carter, with her lovely tits, climbed into his lap, he'd be like, okay, well, you know, we can we can do this, but it can't be anything real, you know, because I got... You can, if you want some dick, that that's good. <laughs> we, we can scratch each other's itch, but but that, I'm not a replacement it. for the one you lost. Mm-hmm. But see, he's 18 years old at the point of he's 18 or 19. He doesn't have he wouldn't in order to push through school as quickly as possible. I mean, because when he's cloned at 16, and there's only two or three years difference between the cloning of Jack O'Neill and the launch of the Atlantis expedition, he's not old enough to have actually worked his way into Stargate Command. And in that respect... Not legitimately, at least. Not legitimately. And if they want to keep a kind of close down the fact that he's actually a clone, 
I'm to keep them off the radar of the NID and the trust, which I'm sure they would want to do. They need they need to put him in a position where it makes sense for him to be close by. He's he's related to Jack O'Neill. He's a gene carrier. He's in the Air Force Academy. Um, it wouldn't be there is precedent for bringing Air Force Academy students into mm-hmm. um, the mountain. So that wouldn't be um, circumspect. Mm, it it wouldn't no it wouldn't be, wouldn't be suspect um, I do it all the time suspect. all the time I it, it wouldn't be suspect for him to show up in the mountain and if he's a gene carrier people would expect him to be available for for various um actually I doubt his, Ellie I doubt his fingerprints match because twins don't have the same fingerprints but he's not a twin he's a clone so he's what? a copy he's a copy. I still doubt he's got the same fingerprints. I think they could make sure be. he doesn't, but that doesn't mean he didn't actually in the beginning. But then, you yeah. know, Loki didn't do a particularly great job of cloning him to begin with. No. But yeah. here's the thing about um, your fingerprints and um, your hands. Uh, your fingerprints have min- minute damage based on um, your activity as you've um, as you've grown as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh Nathan's brand new. So he might have a version of baby O'Neill's fingerprints, but he doesn't have minute scarring, um, missing ridges that O'Neill would have, calluses that O'Neill would have because of because of physical training. So his fingerprints, even if they were um, even if they weren't an exact copy, I mean, even if they were an exact copy um at his conception, they would not conception. be the same. Yeah, in, they, they they wouldn't be the same. But I personally wouldn't clone Dan- Daniel. I um, I find cloning to be um, deeply unethical. So the, so the whole clone it's thing. Bo- is, well, you know, the thing is, is he, did, well, he didn't clone him in canon. So what you're asking, what you do when you clone Daniel Jackson is you're asking the Asgard to clone Daniel Jackson for nothing more than to give baby Jack Nathan a partner in crime. I mean, that's the only purpose it serves. It's serving your pairing. It's fan service. And you can do it because it's fan fiction and you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. But for me, I find the whole business of the cloning thing really, it, it, it's deeply uncomfortable. Um, and the and the, the idea that they would actually ask the Asgard to clone Daniel Jackson so that young Jack can have a friend, it's a little weird. <laughs> Well, it is if you, if you do it that way. Well, why you know, else would you I, do it? Well, the last time I did it, which was actually the only time I did it, I did it because, you know, Daniel came back just slightly different and he was the first person who came back from being ascended. You know, how does that affect your genes? Let's go find out. You That's know? so deeply unethical. <laughs> but it's not the SGC doing this. This is Loki doing this. He's the one that took him. I, you know, honestly, honestly, the Asgard should take Loki's ass back to their planet and not put him in a new body. They should have harvested him and stuck him in the database with the rest of the ones that hadn't been given a body in a couple thousand million years. Because at that point, I think a, they should have hit format and just be done with it. His ass should not have been still roaming around. Mm-hmm. He's a class action lawsuit waiting to happen. Yes, he is. But <laughs> when, when I did it, what I did was, you know, um, they fixed clone Jack 
Okay. He's dropped off in high school and Thor takes Loki's ship back and he's halfway home to Asgard as he's poking around stuff and goes, oh shit, because there's a clone Daniel sitting in a thing. And he turns it right back around and comes back home and says, um, I have this. <laughs> Do you want me to wake him up? And everybody's like, duh. And that's how we get a clone Daniel. You know. Queenie says Loki is the Asgard version of the redheaded stepchild. I think they they are would be happier with a redheaded bastard stepchild um, than Loki. Uh, you know, in, in Stargate, his I mean, it's just he's just got this really deeply ugly morality. It's no mm -hmm. no morality really. He's just got some really deep, ugly, fucked up ethics. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can do it. I just, I you know, per, and I, I don't, I don't mind reading it when you do it because, but I, but I do find um, cloning to be deeply unethical, and it, and it bothers me a lot. It's not a trigger, but I don't like to, I don't like it, so I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, at least I, I did it. I, I didn't do it as you know, just the, the. You know, you've got a Jack. Okay, I'll get cloned so that way he has somebody. No. Right, but I've seen that. And I have too. It too, and it's creepy. Like, I saw it where it was the whole team. You, you want the Asgard to clone Jackson so that Jack's mini me could have a fuck buddy. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying to me right now? Me? No. No, I mean no. I mean like you know, the, the yeah the author this theoretical author that did this and i'm thinking to myself really that he uh, right um Herslot just said you only exist for his convenience so the the that's, one that's that so I, deeply ugly the one that i read was actually um um to clone jack he was basically disintegrating his personality and the other three carter um, Jackson and Teal'c got themselves cloned so that way he had somebody. Not to be fuck buddies, but to be, but because of team. Where's this team go? <laughs> they stay on Earth? High school. See, that's creepy right there. Because they're all grown-ass oh, adults. They got no business being in high school. And that was, that was actually part of the issue, because they were, they were definitely having issues. You know, Especially I Carter. She must have been bored out of her fucking mind. She went and played, started playing football so she could take out her aggression on the football players. <laughs> what did Hurst do? Oh, yeah, that. Nobody, <laughs> nobody in this chat room can be trusted. Nobody. <clears throat> Look, the only person I trust to actually act like they nor they they are expected to act is as, which says a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a beacon, all right. You're you're a beacon, absolutely. Is it shining out of somebody's ass or not? Oh, we're just horrible. Don't get her started on asses, because because the, then she'll bring up ass aphids, and I'm never really going to get over that. <laughs> is that how you say that word aphids yes okay <laughs> you brought it up now kelly wants to know you don't want to know you think you do but you don't you don't 
See? See? You didn't want to know. You didn't want to know. Now you... <laughs> 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 Kelly just safe-worded in the chat room. We have we 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 have reached critical um critical mass. Um no Margaret, don't do not get Google involved with this. Just no. Just just no. Um That's not the worst thing. It's not even the worst no, thing. It's not. It's not even remotely the worst thing. Um, yeah. We're going to no, have to train you up, Kelly. You're a little delicate. Oh, okay. God. You missed so, so much out of the chat room. You little daisy. I'm going to nickname her Daisy. Kelly the Daisy. Okay. okay. So, um, uh, <laughs> oh. Now you I, see, I put you in the corner, but you're already triggered, and then I'm telling what happens, what's happening currently in the tr in the corner because I don't actually go in there, so I don't know what those guys are doing in there, and I don't want you to be exposed to that. Good idea. <sighs> Anyways, um, okay, so we we've got the the basic population. We know that with um, McKay goes uh, Zelenka and Kusanagi. Is that how you say that? Because I do not say it that way. You say Kusanji, I say Kusanagi. Well, which one of us? I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you're you're right because that sounds better coming out of your mouth. Hey, I'm right. Hot damn! But I don't Ooh. remember having. I'm hearing it said in the in the in the show. I don't either, but um, that's how I that's how I read it. So, um, so we've got. Miko and Radic. Are we going to do Groden? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Biro. B I R O, which I can never pronounce. I think you're right about the sword thing, Margaret. I think I remember reading that somewhere. Um, Honestly, there is, uh, there's Helen there's Simpson. Right, who she may or may not be a red shirt, and um, there's Kavanaugh, who is a red shirt. <laughs> Are we gonna have Kavanaugh? That's a you. Well, no, because Jack thinks he's a sh he's a schmuck, so we'll pass on you that. You know what would actually be funnier if Jack says no to um Kavanaugh but brings Filger and Combs with him. <laughs> oh. God, that's a slap. They they did save him. <laughs> they did rescue him. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, is they they can't be let loose. With... They're the adults they honestly think should still have the toddler leashes on. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, I think you'd be doing you know Carter a solid because you know Felger just got this big boner for Carter, and he could be like, you know. I've already had to, to to do what I did. I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Carter some peace and quiet. I'm gonna take these two assholes to Pegasus with me. Dude, you can and take Felger and Combs. I'll take Kavanaugh just for. I'll take Kavanaugh. Thanks. But it's really funny because McKay could be like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" And Jack could be like, "Well, it was either these two or Kavanaugh." <laughs> and <laughs> McKay's like, "Son of a bitch." He could like just try to talk a couple of times and just like be fuck me. 
Really? It was Kavanaugh with a choice? Graham Simmons? Well, I guess I can make Felger and Combs do the desalination tanks. And maybe maybe they can build a bridge to the mainland. <laughs> what the hell are their, their specialties, anyhow? See, see here's the thing. I think they're both engineers. See, and that's actually something that would be, um, the thing is, is I think they're actually pretty competent engineers. They just have very terrible personalities. Um, but. Okay. Found them. What I would say is that, uh, Kavanaugh provides a much needed conflict in, um, in Stargate for, for McKay. He's a, he's an excellent foil for McKay. So if you're going to take Kavanaugh out of the picture, which is perfectly fine, you need to give him something to pitch about, to, to genuinely complain about. And there's honestly nothing funnier than Felger and Combs. Well, here's the thing. Felger, Combs, 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 Combs. Felger is, he, he's responsible for the development of new weapons and technologies. Okay, so yeah, I mean, Coombs, um, he's, oh God, he, he teaches applied math. He's also a devout follower of the cre of Star Trek. And if I, this is the actor I think it is, he went on to play Phlox in- On Star Trek, right? yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, it absolutely is. Oh God. Okay. But- one of my favorite parts of synthetic is that whole thing about how Felger and Combs fell off the asteroid and how there's like all these recordings of them bitching at each other about it. <laughs> and that, and that John has a master cut of his favorite parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do think that they actually would provide you. Cause the thing is, is that, Pegasus has the potential to be um, a, a very heavy environment plot-wise. There's lots of really ugly things that happen with with the Janai and with the Wraith. Um, and when you get two characters like Felger and Combs, they're like built-in comic relief. And honestly, Felger is, I mean, he, he deals with, with weapons, so he's useful. And he's not, I mean, he is. He has a personality issue, but who doesn't? God, you're the and one actually, I think outside of Carter's influence, he might actually be a halfway decent scientist. But every time he comes into the room, he she comes into the room, he gets distracted by his dick. So without her there to be a distraction, he might actually be a very valuable member of of, of the expedition. Mm -hmm. And and they were both smart enough to get on that mothership mm -hmm. and not get caught immediately. And not get caught immediately. So they're not dumbasses. They actually would probably be a better fit for the expedition than mm -hmm. um, than Kavanaugh because they can think on their feet. They're they're actually quite brave in their own way. Mm -hmm. They are competent. They just Coombs is a follower, and Felger has a boner for Carter that gets in his way. I think that putting them on the expedition could actually do a lot for them. They can blossom. Yeah. And honestly, they'd be better than, oh God, who is that one that, that got killed? The two that got killed by the Wraith. That did not, um, you mean on the planet? Yep. Um, I know who you mean, because one, one killed himself, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Um, 
There it is, the defiant one. And we would have um, Abrams and Gall. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they might actually, well, you know, if you're going to pick a foil to, you know, to kind of um, either to, to lighten the mood or just to distract McKay or to provide um, moments of, of lighter atmosphere, which I think is super important when you're writing, mm -hmm. um, that I think Phil and Coombs would be perfect. Because <laughs> I am never going to get out of that moment when they, when they pull up the grate and he smiles like a used car salesman and says, we're here to rescue you. <laughs> like he's been waiting his whole life, whole life. to say that. Yep. Good night, Jilly. Good night. So Coombs, one of the things that he, because he's applied math, he would be also a good foil for, for Shepard. Yeah. You know, every time Shepard comes in, you know, Dr. Shepard, are you here to do math with me? <laughs> no. Stop calling me Dr. Shepard. <laughs> the first time it happens, wait. Shepard, do you have a doctorate? God damn it. Yes. And he, could, he didn't even read my file. And now look what you've done. Look what you've done. I am never sharing high math problems with you again. I'm taking you off my newsletter. You're not getting any more oh, math puzzles from me, Coombs. Oh, God, that would be funny as fuck. You know, one of the things that Shepard does... Um, Actually, he, he could start it when he gets to the SGC is, you know, somebody notices that he's got that doctorate and starts including him in the, the daily um, emails of, of math problems, of things that go out to, to, as brain teasers. And, you know, issues. There's, um, Estefi has a fic where um, McKay runs an online forum and he passes out puzzles to people and that's how him and John meet. Well, they meet again in real life but they don't know about their, they don't know about their online meeting until later. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's the Fair Trade series which I highly recommend you read if you've not read it. Um, so would someone grab me a link for the link library? Uh, it's, it'll be on AO3 on, 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 on her profile, Estefi. I mean, I have it in my bookmarks, of course, because I read it once a year. But um, anyways, um, it would be really funny um, if John was like kind of famous in nerd circles for running this kind of like math puzzle like once a week. Um, and uh, he gets to Atlantis and he realizes that there are several people on the city that were on his list when he was on earth. So he starts sending them math puzzles and they figure out that he's the, that he's the math guy from earth and Coombs could be one of them. Yeah. That. So, yeah. But if you've not, if you've not, um, if you've not read, um, fair trade by S to you are mm -hmm. missing out. Cause it is like one of the, um, it is one of the fix you should read in, um, in Stargate. Okay, so this, the one that I, by the way, was mentioning, where um, we have um, the, the whole of SG-1 getting themselves cloned, that would be, um, where is it? It would be Monkey Screaming by SGC Bear, uh, Bear Cub. And I'll that's that the link. In the... Um...
link library as well. Mm -hmm. But um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so um, Graham Simmons. Graham Simmons is an Air Force officer who leaves the Air um, and um, I had him leave the Air Force and be a civilian scientist, but I'm not actually sure if that's canon. I mean, I think sometimes my head canon and um, canon get melded together and confused. So he, he can either be, um, he also had a boner for Carter. Um, oh, yes, but he had a very, he had a, a very respectful boner for Carter. He could um, either be an Air Force officer or um, a civilian, depending on your need. Mm -hmm. well, I've used him as um, as a civilian um, in in orders. That one uh, one line I did that, or actually the duo that I did. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Oh yeah, uh, Edie commented about uh, John doing the the math problems when he was um, in Checkmate. Yeah, yeah. And if you've not read Checkmate, you're also missing out because that is awesome. That that is awesome cakes right there. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Bede awesome. is beautiful um, in that one. And it's by Beatitude, and we're going to get a link mm -hmm. to put in the link library. Edie already. Edie already got there and did it for Damn, us. Edie. In the Checkmate uni um, universe, um, John gets turned into a cat. A um, wee little cat. A wee little cat is part of a, uh, I guess, a coming of age ritual mm -hmm. or something, you know, a, a self actualization ritual. Anyway, my favorite part is when McKay decides that because he's going to be turned into back to a human pretty soon, that he should go back to his own quarters, and he puts John in John's own, you know, John's quarters, and John drags his little slipper bed down the hall back to McKay's place. He's furious that he's been kicked out of McKay's apartment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that and he's not too fond about that damn poster. The bunny bed. The yes. bunny bed. It's fantastic. Um, great stuff. Yes. Great story. Great oh, characterization of both McKay and John, mm -hmm. actually, even though John sends most of it's a cat. I mean, it is stunning. It's great stuff. Um, and, and John is very John still he's just a cat it also really interesting to have john um really delve into his um to, to his math and do like a math lab um mm -hmm. and mckay finding out about it later going well wait you have a math lab yeah we have a math lab well why haven't i been invited because you're an asshole okay <laughs> actually <laughs> oh god well, let's let's combine the two, uh, or or maybe combine the three. Um, somebody the, in the in the world of the math uh, the mathematicians, the applied mathematicians, there is a um, weekly, monthly, whatever uh, uh, mailer that goes out. Um, email now because that's you know we're modern and everything with a, with a math problem and bragging rights for whoever gets the thing finished first okay the the moderator of this isn't known but it's been going on for 10 years at that point and the sgc has its own version where it's you know um 
the 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 puzzle goes out and it stays out until it gets solved and then a new one goes out okay and it's inspired by the one that's at large you know but the thing is is the the person who is the person who set up the the the, the world at large one and the inspiration is shepherd which means that when he leaves earth he needs to pass the torch on so he could pass the to torch somebody. to charlie epps yes which will frankly torture some people, but whatever, they can live. And so, you know, he's on Atlantis and, you know, um, we have Coombs who is the SGC's, ma or yeah, the SGC's ma applied math guy who's putting out this, um, this newsletter just, or the, the, the email just like he does every other time. And they're getting solved really fast. All right. And they're all being traced back to Shepard, who, Dr. Shepard, can you, like, let everybody else do this for a little bit? <laughs> and off we go. I think the novelty of it would be kind of cool for him, because if he's been doing the puzzle at this, you know, for a decade, for a decade, ha mm -hmm. having somebody else give him a puzzle would be kind of, you know, a, a novelty. Yeah. And it lets him relax and it's, you know, it's not thinking about, you know, military, um, you know, uh, readiness. It's not thinking about, you know, who's screwing who or, you know, there's this rash of thefts, you know, in the enlisted barracks or we've got to go put people out. You know, all those things. It's math. It's clean. It's it's, you know, his first language, if you will. And he's kind of looking at Combs going, do I have to? Can you can you do two like one for me and one for everybody else? <laughs> can you make them harder? Can I can I give you my list of the decade of puzzles that I already have that you could if you haven't used them you could use those. <laughs> and which point Coombs would be going ah fan That's you. You're the you. Yeah, you, you have to give him a really stupid mm -hmm. cool um internet name though like something that uh, something that a 16 year old would probably think of you know something that because he would have been like he'd have been a teenager when he started it so mm -hmm. he has to be like you have to make it like something something a 16 year old boy would think was cool <laughs> well then that he's been doing it for about 20 years then or about 15 uh, 15 to 20 well no wait a second if he's 16 when he starts so that would be the start of college for him potentially I think he's thirty three or thirty four when the show when the um when the canon starts. Okay, so I he's think, I think somewhere in that age. Yeah, he's been doing it a while. Mm hmm. Oh God, no! That's oh, just... let's be honest. You know he no. I don't know if I don't know if he would call himself Top Gun, but he no. might call himself Rocket Man. <laughs> oh, actually, he might call himself Maverick. You know what? He probably would. I think yeah. adult Shepard would probably hate Top Gun, but I mm -hmm. bet I bet young Shepard would have been all about it until he realized how inaccurate it was. Um Yeah. I can tell you though that <sighs> Math Maverick, eh, I don't want the alliteration. Oh, goose. Goose. The original guys. 
no. The original Goose. Iceman. 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 <laughs> Iceman. <laughs> because, because Val Kilmer was the cool one in that. You had to. He was the cool one. Yes. He was the one I would have wanted to be. So, yes. yeah. Iceman. 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 <laughs> yup. And when McKay finds out, he'll be, are you fucking serious? <laughs> really? That's what you went with. And, you know, um, Don't Ask, Don't yeah. Tell was... Playing okay. with the boys. Damn. Yes. Playing okay. with the boys. That Bible. was the best volleyball scene ever in the ever. history of cinema. Mm-hmm. And Don't Ask, Don't Tell is not in this goddamn universe. Yay! No D-A-D-D. So, he can comment, did you see that volleyball scene? <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah, I think he would just like, you know, you like it, McKay. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you want this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, I think it's pretty much a given in my mind that for you, that Daniel, that Daniel and Jack would be together. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because you didn't actually explicitly say it, but, um, and for me, I, I I know you're pairing, so I would assume. Mm -hmm. But there are people who listen to this podcast who might not know your pairing specifically, so they would be wondering if that was a thing. And so that oh, would yes, definitely totally be a thing, a thing for her. For Probably even in an established relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. She found it. Now I have to watch after the podcast is over. After I pee, because hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So... I would say they got together after um, after Jack got defrosted. Like a final straw kind of thing? Mm-hmm. The Dormada that he did. You know, he, he... I don't care how they arranged that. I don't think he said that to Carter. Not even in canon. Oh, you know he yeah, he actually did say it to her in canon. I mean, you can you can keep your slash glasses on all you want, but it was established in canon that Jack O'Neill was in love with Sam Carter. Ugh. He was in love with her. Yeah, I mean, you you can ignore yeah. it in your fanfic, and you can wear your slash goggles all night long. You know, you're my girl. But in canon, Jack O'Neill was in love with Sam Carter. Mm -hmm. No, she was not his beard. If she was his beard, he'd actually been fucking her. Mm hmm. Or he had talked her out of being in her career and becoming a civilian so that he could use her as a beard. Jack O'Neill was in love with Sam Carter. Now I am a slash writer as much as anybody. I love it. It's what I it's it's one of my favorite things to do in fandom is to slash two beautiful people together, two beautiful men together. But in reality, Jack O'Neill was in love with Sam Carter in that show. That was how it was written. Yeah. You know the the Dermata, I am... Yeah, it was it a lot of it was aimed at Sam, no doubt, but I'm pretty sure there was also some of that aimed at ja uh, Daniel. Now, what's yeah. the translation for that? Uh, I don't remember. Um, I think it was it might have been goodbye. I don't remember. I don't think it was even it was ever more clear to me that O'Neill was in love with Carter when, when mm -hmm. they were wearing those bracelets and they were on either mm -hmm. side of that 
force field. Oh, yeah. And she was telling him to leave her behind. And he told her he couldn't. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't leave her. And I'm like, yeah, that that's it. That That's it right there. And it yep. happens again. And they almost get... um. He almost gets lobotomized basically by that alien technology because they think he's um, been brainwashed because he's hiding the secret of being in love with Sam Carter. Uh, and that's the one where um, Martouf gets killed. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you can wear your slash clock. I'm not talking to the audience, not you in particular at this point. But, you know, you need to acknowledge canon for what it is, whether you like it or not. Um, and the fact is, is that uh, Amanda Tapping and um, Richard D. Anderson had great chemistry. I mean, they had they had one of the hottest on screen kisses I've ever seen. I was like, "Holy shit!" If I was his wife, I'd be pissed because <laughs> that mm-hmm. looked a little too real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> now, another thing about that is that sometimes you can see between actors and actresses that you can tell that the actress really doesn't want the actor to have his hands on her. But but that was never the case with the two of them. She was totally on board for being in his space. She never had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. So. They were very comfortable with each other. Very comfortable. Was... I think there's a lot of, there's a great deal of respect and friendship there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I think that probably um, that honestly that Jack O'Neill was too old for both. Um, yeah. For both it's... of them. Um, that, that, that in canon, that that's what they wrote. And you don't have to. You don't have to like it or want it or even respect it, but it's fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is what it is. Just like in fucking Harry Potter, Harry Potter ended up married to goddamn Jenny, Jenny Weasley. Mm-hmm. I know this. I accept it. I just don't like it and I don't write it. <laughs> yep. By the way, what I just posted in there was the, the Dolmata was uh, Jack asking for the um, the capsule to, to put himself into. And it was, um, it wasn't looking for lies, it was looking for deception. And that wasn't a deception. I care for her more than I should is not a deception. Mm -hmm. That's like me saying, I care for cheesecake more than I should, which is entirely accurate. But also, Mm -hmm. I could also say, I really fucking love cheesecake. And that would be accurate as well. And neither one of those is, um, is a deception. And at that point, being honest, it, it is very rare for the military to keep a team together as long as SG-1 was. It is not usual for teams to stay together for 10 years or more. Okay. And so Jack O'Neill admitting that he cares for his team members more than he should. And he's looking at Sam saying that he cares for her, you know, more than he should. He's not just, it's not just the love. It's also, you know, um, or. It's Basically not what he's admitting that he's actually compromised. He's very compromised. They all are. When it comes to her. Um, and that's never more clear is that when he refuses to leave her. Because mm-hmm. if that, fe- if, if that field hadn't failed, that um, they would have died together. Mm hmm. And that would be Anise and those damn bracelets. Damn, seven Atokra. Yep. And because, you know, I'm not sure, sh- I actually don't like the pairing of, of um, Sam and Jack. I put them together 
in what might have been because it was easier um and because they were just background anyway and um but i also don't like the pairing of of jack and um and daniel jackson because and i've said it before and this is like a this is like a wall between me and lady holder here i don't like daniel jackson <laughs> mm -hmm. <Uh-oh. laughs> he's her unicorn but i can't stand him I just don't like him. I I didn't care for his character in the movie. And they did nothing in the series to make me change my mind. There was just something about him that just put me off. Sometimes characters just... I just don't like Daniel Jackson. And I also, I'm not actually fond of Michael Shanks either. It was really... That whole thing where he left the show so he could have better opportunities and then came coming back with his tail tucked between his legs because he couldn't get better opportunities. <sighs> That's some arrogant shit. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, I just... There it is. There it is. Just arrogant shit. Oh, no, that's not it. Sorry. I was... Oh. It, it honestly took until fourth season for them to do that that damn upgrades, which is the... the um, the one the with thing the with, yeah, seven Tucker's with bracelets. The, yeah. Yes. But I don't like the character of Daniel Jackson. So I don't actually. And I do like the character of Jack O'Neill. Which is why when I did Sentinels of Atlantis. I knew from the get go. I wasn't going to pair Jack with Carter or um, Jackson. Because he was going to have a pretty significant role. And I didn't want to deal with him being paired with either one of them. So I paired them to each other so I wouldn't have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Worked out well now, for that. He left seasons he um he left in season six because he thought he had um he thought he had earned himself better opportunities. Um but it didn't work out that way. No. There were issues. He got too big for his britches briefly. Now, what he says now is one thing, but what he said at the time is entirely different. Mm-hmm. And... He did get... I think he did get a show that didn't last. Um, or maybe he had a movie that flopped. But yeah, he came back with his tail tucked between his legs because he couldn't do better. I think that was Andromeda. <sighs> he might have been on a couple episodes of Andromeda, but it wasn't was. like a... But he wasn't, it wasn't like his show, obviously. Um, but, mm -hmm. he, but he did that because his wife was on that show. Mm, well, his soon to, his, his girlfriend. Yeah, his girlfriend, soon to be wife. Mm hmm. Lexi Doig? Yeah, that would be, by the way, Lamb. Yeah, that's Caroline Lamb on the show mm -hmm. on, SG, on SG1, but she's Michael Shanks' wife. Mm hmm. By the way, that picture. Also, the woman who plays Sharae was also Michael Shanks' wife. Uh, yeah, the baby that she was carrying um, in the episode where Sharae gives is birth. Pregnant. Is Michael, yeah, that's, Michael that's Shanks' Michael. baby. Yeah. yeah. That would be Jack's face on one side of the um, force field, and that would be Sam's on the other side. By the way, that force field was saran wrap that was stretched in between and one of those scenes where uh they're running hell hell bent for leather and they run face first into it they didn't tell them that they did that 
So that <laughs> their, their reaction was legit. That's that's so ugly, but also funny. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the thing is, is there are lots of canon relationships that I don't like, but I do mm-hmm. acknowledge that they exist. And there was one between Carter and 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 O'Neill. I just don't like it, but I don't ignore that it existed. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to. I don't, I don't lie to myself about it. But I just don't think either one of them were a great fit for them. Which is why when I was doing Sentinels of Atlantis, I was trying to figure out who his guide would be. And um, then I came across the whole idea of putting him with um, Patrick Shepard. And it was like, mm-hmm. hell yes. <laughs> well, in this one, I kind of we kind of preclude it because there, one's on Earth and one's on Atlantis. Right. And, yeah, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm totally fine with you doing Jack and Daniel. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I accept you for who you are. Thank you. You're my bestest friend. Yeah, I, but, I accept you, and and if you if you figure out how to do a Patrick and and, and Jack, I will be very happy to. But but yeah, I mean, but um, I'm just, I mean, you read my Harry and Hermione, so mm-hmm. I can read your Jack and Daniel. <laughs> because I like Her- your Harry and Hermione. I just but you but you are a bigger um Draco and Harry fan. I know. Yes. So mm-hmm. you know, and honestly, I kind of want to do another big Jacob um. Draco and Harry yes. Project. I just don't know what it's going to be. Yes. Um, uh, I know I need to write a sequel to um, War Mages, but I've started it three times and I just can't figure out where to go with it. But let's go ahead can and I end this podcast and we can continue to chat if you guys want to. Sure. But I need to end the podcast and I also need to go to the bathroom. So you go run and do that and I'll hold the fort and, a- and answer questions while, you know. Okay. So I'm going to, we're going to say good night to everybody on the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us. And um, so you say good night. You say good night. Good night. <laughs>